Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. read from our word this morning in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be starting with verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of uh, Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of, the, uh, of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense. When he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And then Zacharias saw him. He was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he, he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be made mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. You may be seated. This morning, God has laid one word upon my heart. And if you're taking notes or what have you, I want you to write down this one word. Hope. Hope. H-O-P-E. Hope. You know, there's a, this is a season typically of hope, right? Because of the birth of the Savior and the joy that comes with the gift that God gave us. If you ever have seen the movie Home Alone and you recall that crisis that they were in. They forgot their child at home, this little elementary school boy. And uh, they fly all the way to France. Uh, and the mom is desperate to get home, as any parent would be, to get home to their child who they left alone. And I remember this one scene in particular. She's standing at the uh, desk of the airplane ticketing agent. And she says, he's telling her, there's something I can do for you. I can't help you. There's nothing I can do. I have nothing. I can put you on standby. I have nothing. And she said, 
This is the season of perpetual hope. Don't tell me that there's not something you can do. And when I thought about that word hope, that actually is what came to my mind because many times we find ourselves in situations just like her where we see the impossible, we see where we need to be is so far away and there seems no way that we're ever going to get there. But here's the key. You and I always have hope. Because our hope is not in man. Our hope is not in our flesh. Our hope is in the Lord. We always have hope. And here in uh, Luke chapter 1, you guys I know have heard most of you have heard the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, the, the parents of John the Baptist, who turned out to be the forebearer. He was the one that preached the word. He went forth and declared that the Messiah was coming and preaching repentance and baptizing, preparing the way for Christ to come. They had no children. She was barren. She could not conceive a child. That lets you know it wasn't for lack of trying. Right? She was barren. And they were now, not only was she barren, she was advanced in age. They had both gotten old. And so they were beyond childbearing age. So not only she had been barren through all of her, you know, healthy time, she was now old. And God was making this promise to them that they would have a child. And I know, I believe in all my heart that Elizabeth and Zacharias begged God for a child. A child was important, and women who did not have children were looked down upon in that society. In fact, Elizabeth says that when she found out, when she got pregnant and found out, she went away for five months, and she said, God has taken this reproach from me because it was looked down upon if a woman could not have a child. And I'm sure they prayed and they pleaded with God and they begged God to give them a child. And yet, through all of the, those youthful years, nothing happened. To the point now that they're advancing age, and guess what's happened? They've resigned themselves. This is never going to happen. We're just never going to have a child. This is just what it is. It is what it is. Right? And there's no changing it. They had lost hope. But what do we know that Paul tells us is hope in Jesus never disappoints. Hope in God never disappoints. And so if it's God's will and we ask according to his name, it says he'll answer us. If we don't ask amiss with wrong motivation right. and we ask to pray according to his will, yep. he'll, he'll answer. He will give us the desires of our hearts. And so they were not asking amiss. And God had a bigger plan for them than them having a child in their younger years because he was setting up a process. There was going to be a miracle that Elizabeth conceived. And then it was going to be a miracle that Mary conceived. And this child, John, was going to be the forebearer, was going to be the, 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 the one who proclaimed Christ and introduced him to the world. 
And so Zacharias, when he's in and he's offering the incense before the Lord, and the angel comes and Gabriel stands at the right hand of the, of the incense, the altar of incense, and says, Hey, and what's up, dude? Zacharias is afraid. He says, I, I bring you good, good tidings. You're going to have a son. And not only are you going to have a son, he's going to be special. He's going to serve the Lord. He has been chosen by God for a specific purpose. Zacharias, even though he was a priest, even though he knew the law and he knew what God had done and he knew everything that God had done for Israel and he knew all of the history, he still doubted God. Even when the angel stood before him out of nowhere and said this was going to happen. Gabriel delivers a message that was so beyond his understanding, he still doubted. Mm -hmm. Because he already resigned in his heart that he would forever be childless. That there was no way that his wife could ever bear a child. They had resigned themselves to their fate. Mm -hmm. And so even when the angel of the Lord said, this is what's going to happen, not only is she going to bear a child, that child is going to be chosen by God to do something great. He still doubted. So many times you and I get into places in our lives where over time we feel like God is ignoring us or that we've been in a circumstance for so long that God is not answering the way that we want him in the timeline that we want him to answer that we begin to become jaded and callous to the point that even if God himself stood before you, you would doubt what he had to say. I would doubt. I've been in those places before where I know that I heard from God and still doubted because I had become so callous and so jaded in my circumstances that because I've become angry and resentful and bitter because God did not answer when or how I wanted him to. So many times it's about the when really with us. When's he going to do it? When's he going to do it? When's he going to do it? And then we worry about the how. But the verse is the when. We become jaded, and we become just like Zacharias, resigned to our faith. This is the way it's always going to be. Yeah. Nothing's ever going to change. Mm -hmm. That's part of why the world is in the shape that it's in today, because we've got a, a group of people that feel like they're trapped, and it'll never be better than where they are right now. Amen. Right? They feel like they're never going to make it any further. They're stuck where they're at. But we don't have to be stuck where they're at. But we don't have to be stuck because we serve a God that can do anything. Amen. We serve a God who can move mountains. Yes. We serve a God who can work miracles. Miracles so great because there's no one else like him. There's no one else like him. Yes, thank you. Amen. Yes. So we're not stuck. We can't. We should strive not to become jaded, to put our trust in the Lord. Because when our hope is in God, that hope will never disappoint us. Amen. Yes. So, Zacharias in his doubt questions Gabriel, and Gabriel says, this will be your sign, buddy. You're not going to talk until the child is born, and you will name him John. Mm -hmm. Now, Zacharias leaves, and he's unable to communicate. In fact, when he comes out, it says he's gesturing, but he can't speak, and they assume that something happened in there because he was so long and because he was mute when he came out. But 
He had no way of communicating at that time. What, what happened? They just know that something happened. He goes home. When he went home, and I gotta put this delicately, <laughs> he could have not done anything, right? And not acted upon anything. He could have been angry and resentful and said, what I heard is crazy. God can't do this. Not only did he, can't, he made me mute. I can't even talk. It took a step of faith to unlock the, the, the promise that God had. Right? It took that step of faith. And I don't need to go into any greater detail than that. Right? John wasn't immaculately conceived. So then he had to go home and act in faith along with Sarah that God was going to do what he promised. Amen. Elizabeth, sorry, I was thinking Sarah because Abraham, thank you. <laughs> act in faith with Elizabeth so that God could deliver what was promised. Mm -hmm. Look, if God gives you a promise and you are in a circumstance and you are losing hope, the best thing that you could do besides trusting God is demonstrating that trust through faith. Yes. Mm -hmm. And faith means stepping out and working and being obedient regardless of what we see with our eyes. Amen. Amen. Regardless of what I feel in my heart, regardless of what I reason in my brain, regardless of all of my physical senses, faith transcends that into the spiritual to say that I trust God regardless. Amen. Right? And that means sometimes, even in the midst of our mess, we got to take a step of faith. Amen. Right? We got to step out and be obedient to Him and not allow our circumstances to be excuses for us. Amen. Right? And so he stepped out in faith, and guess what? Elizabeth concedes. And she is excited. Right? And so she's so excited that for five weeks or five months, she goes away. And I got to believe in that time she was just worshiping God and honoring God because it says, thank you, God, because you have taken this reproach from me. You're giving me a boy. You're giving me a child. She knows a boy because they were going to be John, right? Uh, you're giving me a child. And that was confirmed over again when Mary came to visit and the baby left. In her womb. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And when it came time for the child to be born, good old Zacharias was still mute. And until he wrote down the name John, they said, what do we name him? He wrote John. Then he could speak again. He couldn't speak until he wrote down the name. God did not lift that uh, 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 inability to speak until Zacharias acknowledged by writing down that name that God had delivered what he said he was going to deliver. Because as soon as that child was born, God was saying, see, I told you so. And Zacharias was having to write out John. Why didn't he just, why didn't he just, I wondered to myself, maybe I'm the only one, when he was born or when she got pregnant, why in the world did he not let him, you know, be able to speak then? He's making sure Zacharias understood. Mm -hmm. 
That when God says he's going to do something, he does it on his timeline, according to his plan. This child was special, and Zacharias was signing the contract. That's how I see it in my mind. That child is born. They said, why don't we name him? He didn't have to hesitate. He didn't have to think about it. He knew what he'd been told all those months before. His name is John. He wrote out John, and he could speak. Because he finally consummated the promise mm -hmm. that God gave him, which was you would have a child and you will name him John. Mm -hmm. When he named him John, boom! That was acknowledgement that he believed in God and fulfilled the promise he gave him. That's how I see it in my mind. That's Curtis's Theology 101, right? Uh, I can't tell you what other people say, but that's how I see it. Why God would not allow him to speak when she could see, but he waited not even until the baby was born, he found out it was a boy, he had to write the name. He had to give him his name. When he gave him his name, he could speak. Hold on to the end. Amen. Wait until it's given birth. And it has a name. Don't give up beforehand. See, some of us like to do this. When we see God start to move, we get real excited. And instead of calling on him, we go start doing our own thing because we see it starting to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Right? Uh, I'm guilty of this, right? All of a sudden you've been praying, you've been crying, you've been fasting, you've been seeking God, and things start to get better, and you're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. And then you're like, well, you know, you don't even maybe do it consciously, but subconsciously you, you stop praying like you should. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Subconsciously you kind of get out of your word, the Bible, like you should. Yeah. Amen. And you're just like, because why? Everything's going good. You're not in distress. And so therefore, as the load is lightened, instead of being pushed down, you're able to get up. And when you're able to get up, you can go where you want to go. And so we so many times, we get out of, you know, we walk out because God starts to move in the middle of our mess. Yep. And in the case of John, or in the case of Zacharias, he wasn't letting Zacharias off the hook. Until so that baby was born, and he gave him the name John. Right? He would be mute until he named the child. So that he would stay the course, know this was from God, and that child wasn't to be a junior. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. But he was not to give the child the name. He wasn't supposed to find out she was pregnant. And nine months down the road, be, oh, okay, this is great, this is awesome. Forget what happened in the you know, in the temple when he was burning incense and put all that away. That, that's how I see it in my mind. That's how I take it. Is that he wanted to make sure Zacharias knew until the day that when until the day that he wrote the name down and named that child that this was all God and he had nothing to do with it and not to see the light at the end of the tunnel and rejoice in his wife's rejoicing until the baby was born and had a name. Do not, and I'm talking to myself, do not get so excited as you begin to see God move that we begin to think it's ourselves and we walk out of where he's moving. Amen. Right? We can't get so excited that there's some relief mm -hmm. when the pressure starts to be, you know, taken away and walk out of his plan and think that we did something. Because mm -hmm. the devil likes to do that. Amen. Amen. 
Right? We'll get just enough relief, and then over time we'll be like, hey, man, we, we'll, he'll convince us that it was something we did. The decision we made, the choice that we made, instead of focusing on who really worked it, it was God. Amen. Right? Amen. So why is it that sometimes we've hoped so much, we've prayed, we've sought God, we've asked Him, we've had faith, we, we believe that we're not asking Him. Why? Does it seem like it takes so long sometimes? Well, of course, there's God's timing, right? Because let me wake all of us up this morning. God blesses you to bless others. Amen. He blesses me to bless others. All right? So there's always his timeline because it's bigger than you and it's bigger than me. He's always got a larger purpose in mind. To give him glory, to give him honor, and sometimes even to so impact like John the Baptist did, right? He was used by the Lord. He did awesome things. I mean, they, uh, Jesus said there is no one among men who is great as John the Baptist. Do you know what that means? That includes Elijah and Elisha and Moses. Do you see what I'm saying? Why? Because of what he was chosen to do, and God chose to do it through Zacharias and Elizabeth. And gave, you know, here comes this boy who had to come exactly at that time. And the way that he did, born to those parents, so that he could do what God had told him to do. Right? So he could prepare the way of the Lord. So not only was it a spiritual metaphor, he physically came before Jesus. He was older. They were cousins. And he was literally going before Christ to declare the way of the Lord. Wow. To prepare. Great calling on his life. Great calling. But if Zacharias and Elizabeth had just wallowed in self-pity, right? Then what would have happened? Amen. John the Baptist had a great calling on his life. And did amazing things. Prepare the way for Christ. When God is going to move in your circumstance, when he's going to, he's going to reward your hope and your faith in him, it is for him, his glory, and for someone else usually, not just about you. He blesses you to bless others. Amen. 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 Who knows what that miracle that God does for you can impact somebody else. Amen. Right? So sometimes, sometimes he has to wait because of his timing. Secondly, sometimes he waits because he knows that we're not going to handle the answer properly. Right, bro. Wow. Right. You cannot plant a seed in soil that's not prepared. Come on, man. Right? So he's not, God doesn't waste time. He wants to make sure that you and I are ready. So when he moves, you are the best possible place to receive that seed and for it to sprout, grow, and bring life. Amen. you got to till the soil. Yep. We like God to just throw a bunch at us and hope something sticks. <laughs> All right, well, maybe one of them will bring, you know, bring forth something. But God wants to make us fertile. So that we'll do the right thing. Yes. Right? 
so it'll be taken care of. Because here's the thing, if you go into a field and you throw a handful of, let's say, uh, corn, right? And it just so happens that some of those, that corn grows. But you went out into a field and you were just being silly, you just threw it out there and paid no attention to it. What's gonna happen? That corn is gonna grow and no one's gonna harvest it. And it's going to die, and more corn will probably grow because it'll go back to the earth. And the corn is wasted. The fruit is wasted because the person did not appreciate the seed that was sown. Wow. Wow. God wants us to appreciate the seed that is sown so we appreciate the fruit that comes from the seed. So he's got to till the soil to make sure you and I are ready to have that, uh, that answer planted so when it grows, it brings forth fruit that's both respected and honored and appreciated. Yes. So that we don't stick it in a corner and forget about it. Amen. My wife cannot keep plants alive. Uh, she just has the worst time. Unless it's like an evergreen that you you know you water when you remember about it, she can't do it. And uh, we treat, sometimes want to treat God that way. Wow. He wants to give us something precious, mm -hmm. something beautiful to take care of, to nourish, to grow, to multiply. Mm -hmm. And so he's got to make sure that you and I appreciate it, take care of it, right? Love it. He doesn't want us to be so selfish right. that we don't appreciate the fruit. We don't appreciate the seed. We take the seed for granted. Wow. Right? He wants to plant in good soil. So the other reason he waits is because you and I are not ready. He knows that we will not appreciate or do with it what we're supposed to do. Amen. And so when you and I are praying and we're asking God, check your motives. And say, God, till this heart. Make this soil fertile. Jesus. So that I will appreciate the fruit. Because if I appreciate it, I'll take care of it. My dad loved roses. And so he would take care of his roses meticulously. In fact, that was one of the things him and I did during the summer. Charlie. He had a little chair, and we'd go from rose bush to rose bush. He would look and pick the dead buds off to make sure they just bloomed over and over again. He loved those rose bushes, and he meticulously took care of them. In fact, so much so that when teenagers would come by and pick his roses, he became furious. Because they're not like roses today. He had these were big, beautiful roses, gorgeous roses. And he would become angry. He was protective of it because of the work and the effort, they were special to him. And our whole side of our yard next to the sidewalk was lined with rose bushes that he meticulously took care of. And it started with one rose bush. He loved it. He appreciated it. He took care of it. I like that rose bush. I want to do another one. Oh, that, that's a nice rose bush. And he started planting rose bushes. And then because the beauty of the one caused him to want to share another one. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It, 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 to, to plan another. So when God gives you the answer, take that and multiply. Amen. Take a seed from the fruit that he gave you and multiply so that you can bless others. Amen. 
so that others could be ministered to. Just like John the Baptist, there was more to him than just answering a prayer for Zacharias and uh, uh, Elizabeth. Same thing with Mo, uh, same thing with uh, uh, Abraham and Sarah. There was more to it than just giving Isaac as an answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. Isaac was a co- to be the covenant to carry on the lineage. Mm-hmm. God was going to use him through Abraham, right? Isaac, Jacob. There's more to it than just giving them a, a, a satisfaction in that moment. See, so that actually should excite us because God can do these things without us. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't. He could do it without caring about your peace and your comfort and your joy, but He loves us so much. Yeah. He loves us so much that He allows us mm-hmm. to have that experience and that joy. Yeah, we suffer a little bit, but we got to put some work in and some faith in and put some footsteps in. And it, you may get calluses on your hands and calluses in your knees working that soil, right? But the end product will bring joy. Yeah. My. Dad planted a garden, and uh, when Charlie and I got old enough, he would let us plant cucumbers. Charlie had his cucumber, and, and I had my cucumbers. And we were responsible for taking care of our cucumbers. And Charlie and I, of course, were competitive. And we wanted to see who could grow the biggest, nicest cucumber. And so we had a responsibility. We eat our cucumbers. Be careful, don't step on them. We couldn't play around them, keep them watered and moist. We wanted to grow as many and as big cucumbers as we possibly could. So it took these little children, it took us on our knees, digging through the dirt. You know, kids would rather be playing. I'd rather be riding my Hot Wheels. You know, I'd rather be playing the yard, shooting guns. But we would always take that time out to ensure that our cucumbers were watered and the, uh, the, the, the uh, weeds were pulled, mm-hmm. right? Because it was important to us. And when we would, those cucumbers would come, we would be so proud. And especially when we would pick them and eat them. So proud of ourselves, right? So proud. It was a lot of work to get there. But then when the end product came, we were so excited. And that's how God wants us to be. And in his grace and mercy, he allows us to have that opportunity. Amen. Yeah, you got to dig a little bit. Yeah, you got to get a little dirty. Yeah, you might get sore. But when the fruit comes, the joy will be unmistakable. Amen. So today, if you're going through crisis, you're in bad circumstances. And maybe you've even said, why am I still holding out hope? Maybe you're questioning God. This message is for you today to let you know don't give up hope. Amen. Step out in faith. And when you pray and as you seek God, check your motives. Amen. And make sure your motives are pure and not selfish. To remember that when God blesses you, he wants you to bless others. Amen. I think so many times answer to prayers are thwarted because we will not handle the answer to bless others. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org. 
or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.